Well, thank you for joining us this week with Sabir live, um, or you're watching this uh, on a recording. Um, next in our hot seat is uh, Brittany Crystal. Brittany Crystal is a personal branding expert and the host of the top rated business and marketing podcast, Beyond Influential. It's available on all streaming podcast streaming platforms. You should definitely check it out, Beyond Influential. Uh, I, th I think what, about 180, 138 uh, episodes roughly? 132 drops tomorrow. All right, perfect. And with a decade of experience in personal branding and strat strategy and content development, Brittany has worked with some of the biggest personal brands online to grow their influence. So now listen to these names. These are humongous names, guys. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> huge. Marie Forleo and Tom Bilyeu. Uh, she now teaches entrepreneurs to how to build an authentic, uh, influential brand online that allows them to create the results they want in their life and business while playing by their own rules. Well, Brittany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, especially given the context of how we met. Uh, how did we meet? Did we? I don't know if we just met casually when we when you started at VaynerMedia, but we definitely got a chance to work together when I was on Team Gary Vee in New York and you were heading up Ecom. And I definitely yeah. got a chance to work with you when I was working on the Wine Library affiliate stuff. So that yeah. was cool. You you were actually one of the earliest members of Vayner Commerce team. It was it was you and Lindsay, the two of you, and and we had a few other people who are like subbing in to help me as I was starting to build up because Vayner Commerce was a startup at that time. So uh, so I was borrowing people and stealing them from Vayner Media as much as I could. So what I did like, this is totally off topic, but on topic was like Team Gary Vee at the time was a startup. I got to you know work with you as a startup, Vayner Talent, when that became a thing based off of Gary's brand, that was a startup. I really love that startup vibe and I can't ever replicate the experience that I got there because I got to basically play in a bunch of different areas and learn a bunch of things that now matter a lot to what I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you were getting trained for for the next phase of your life. That's what was happening to you. It really was. So <laughs> thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gary V. Um, so actually, uh, before I dive into personal branding, I mean, you've you've done a tremendous job with your career and stuff like that. Uh, tell me about all of those marketing courses you took in college. I took zero marketing courses in college. I actually, and Sabir knows this, but I will give context, just the short version. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I wanted to work in television and the safe route was through education. So I went to UCLA. Then I went to Georgetown for law school. I passed the bar in New York. At the time, the economy wasn't doing so hot. I was working in securities, regulations, litigation. And I was like, screw this. And so I basically quit the law right away, moved to LA to work in television. And really I'd say that those five years when I was in entertainment, all of that is really personal brand strategy and content development. But now we're in a new world where the content that's online is really what that kind of is now. And so I ended up, I thought in order to, just entertainment wasn't for me. So I thought that in order to work in marketing, and do what I really wanted to be doing, I needed to get an MBA. And so I was studying for the GMAT and my now husband sent me a Gary Vee tweet. This was 2014 and he was like, you don't need an MBA. Look into this guy. Gary's tweet said that there was an opening in the VaynerMedia LA office. I said, you're crazy. Nobody gets a job from a website. I applied, I got a job through a website, met Gary a few months in. Longer story, even longer, he moved me to New York when he was getting really serious about his personal brand to join the personal brand team. I thought my idea was, okay, I know I probably want to work for myself. I kind of started getting that itch, but I wasn't, I didn't know what I wanted specifically. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be here a year. I'm going to give him a year because that was what we agreed to. And at the end of that, I'm going to pitch him a startup idea for him to invest in. And I fell in love with personal branding within the first three months of working on his personal brand, getting to touch all of those pieces of the brand and really seeing what a big impact basically free content had on other people's lives and to drive business. And so as soon as I knew he was testing that on, he always tests everything on himself in order to build things out. As you know, when I knew that he was building out an arm of the agency to do it for others, I was like, I want in on that. 
And so then from there, kind of, you know, I think you start doing it with others, just start to replicate it with others. And then I just got to the point where I wanted to, you know, be traveling and doing it on my own. And so I started on my own in May of 2017. And I've been, you know, evolving my business since from the consulting into the digital product space. And we'll get into all the ways that you can monetize a personal brand, but I did not take any marketing classes ever. <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, you know, you know uh, college and university has its value, you know, and, and, um, you know, but, but this is, uh, something like, you know, having college smarts versus, uh, like school smarts versus street smarts. I think in your case, even though you had a schooling and it was in, in, uh, in law degree and you have your JD, right? Also you, for, as a practicing lawyer. Yeah, I passed the bar. I wanted to make sure that nobody <laughs> could ever say that it wasn't because I couldn't do it. I have that yeah. kind of level of, of pride with that. And then that it was an option that I just didn't want to do it. And you just pivoted. You said, you know what? That's not for me. This is what I want to do. And, yeah. and that was your pivot. And at the time, that was crazy. People were like, oh, my gosh, you spent all this time and, you know, this energy and this money to get this degree. And I think so many people just stay with things that they don't want because of just that that sunk value cost. They were like, oh, no, well, I put this in. I talked to people who I went to school with, who I worked with in law, who are just still there. They're miserable. They don't want to be doing it. But just the not thinking outside the box or feeling like, oh, everybody else's expectations come first. And I think that's, you know, I got out early. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so in, in, in those 20 to 30 sentences there, you said personal brands so many times, right? I, uh, you know, so I think the audience understands like what a company brand would be. Brands like Oreo, Chips Ahoy, Pepsi, Mountain Dew. People get that, Budweiser and so on, right? What's what is a personal brand? How do you define that being the expert in, in, in the field? So it's not a new concept. It is actually super basic. It's to me, it's your name. It's your name. It's your reputation. I know a lot of people like the what people say about you when you're not in the room. But a brand, even like the cookie or whatever it might be, all of it's an experience. And to me, it's also how people feel about you, whether you're in the room or not. It's what I find about you when I Google you. It's all of those things together. And it's especially relevant right now because to me, your personal brand is your business. Before it had to be resumes and referrals, but now you can help own your own story and navigate that yourself. And I always tell people, people are... People are going to Google you. I haven't met someone new or made a purchase without Googling them. And a lot of people are waiting in order to kind of control their story. But you should definitely just have a pulse on, on what your reputation is. I mean, online and offline, which are pretty much the same at this point. Mm -hmm. So do you really need one? Like, where does it make sense? If, if, if I'm yeah. a plumber, if I'm a chiropractor, if I'm a lawyer if i'm a doctor versus um like let's say i'm a wrestler i'm a um you know a boxer i'm a, I'm a baseball athlete uh, or maybe I, i'm a, a up-and-coming uh, executive management person in, in a company like an svp or a vp or something like that uh who needs it who doesn't need it in, in your your thoughts so it's not optional. You have one. The question isn't, do you have one? You already have one. The question is whether you're in control of it or not, or you're doing anything to kind of promote the story that you want to be telling, as opposed to letting someone else tell it, which I think happens often. A lot of times people wait until they feel ready, and you're never going to feel ready. By the time you feel ready, it's, it's almost too late. Or oftentimes, unfortunately, it's after something negative happens or somebody post like a negative review or, or something kind of like a COVID actually was a big thing because a lot of entrepreneurs, I get this a lot. They're like, Oh, I'm introverted or, or I don't want to be, I do get this a lot. I don't want to be like a Gary. Like I'm not into that style. <laughs> I don't want to be everywhere and you don't have to be. And what happened with definitely during COVID early on is a lot of people were in service industries or brick and mortar and they spent all this time putting the energy behind the logo. And then when they couldn't go to work, nobody knew the person and the people behind 
the brand. And so in order to pivot and make those changes, it's an insurance policy. So I look as per- at personal branding as offense and defense. It's offense and that as you're putting it out, like you can start going after, you know, growing your business, doing all of these other things more on the offense. But it's also on the defense where you protect yourself in order to pivot when you need to, in order to kind of have those opportunities if you want them. Because another thing I've seen, especially for those of people who have been in business for a long time, is they'll be watching whatever content or see whatever panel and they'll reach a point where they're like, I know way more than this person. Like (laughs) I've been an expert. I've been doing this for over a decade. Why is this person who's been doing it five minutes on this panel or being, you know, the keynote speaker? And that's all positioning. That's all that that is. And so it's something that everybody I think should get a handle on at least a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I think it also, what it does is it just elevates you as a person in that example, you said that somebody who knew it for five minutes or maybe a couple of months, right? But they're just good at, and by the way, that personal branding doesn't really mean that you're standing in front of a camera or you're, right. or you're even podcasting. It doesn't have to be that. If you're, if you're an introvert and you just love writing, that could be your platform and you could be tweeting it out and, and creating graphics that you put up on, on Instagram, right? It doesn't have to be that uh, that the video or the audio or other types of visuals like that. It, that that's what it means like because everybody looks at someone like um uh gary vaynerchuk and says oh my god you know i have to produce a 60 minute keynote speech so i can cut out so many snippets from it you know and i really do like the long form pillar piece of content but like you said i'm i do work with entrepreneurs i know everybody's busy it is difficult to be dealing with all of the pieces of your business and then be trying to think about social media content. I understand that that's not everyone's thing, which is why I like to go with the path of least resistance. Again, yeah, if it's audio being turned into written, if it's written and that's where you're comfortable, if it's short snippets of video where you can give, you know, let's say you give your five top tips and you release one a week and each tip is 30 seconds long, you can play to your strengths. And just as you start doing that, we'll talk about the different elements of what goes into a personal brand. But as you start doing that over time, even if you just give five tips, let's say you give five tips a month, over time that accumulates that consistency, you have that proof, and then you have way more the people who didn't see that first tip three months ago, time to bring it back, time to say it a different way. You start building up that arsenal. Just to stick with the Gary example, I mean, he's got years and years and years worth of content basically backlog. And we were talking before we got started, I have 132 episodes of my Beyond Influential podcast. Mm -hmm. I have years of content in there, years of content in there to be strategizing and repurposing. So a lot of people get hung up on this need to produce, you know, 60 pieces of content all the time. Just produce a few at the lowest level. That's the least amount of resistance to get started. Yeah, I mean, in, in the example of this week with Sabir, I have I have started with literally I've I've started with um, just the sixty minute uh, interviews, right? That I do every week with experts mm-hmm. like yourself, and I've not even gotten to phase two yet. This is basically phase one, <laughs> uh, and in in phase one, the three things that every episode gets. First of all, it's the sixty minute video broadcast live, and then the recording of it. There is a audio podcast that comes out the following day. And then about four or five days later, uh, there's a 3,000 to 5,000 word article that, that goes with that. That's it for now. Mm-hmm. That's For me, that's phase one. I just want to get really good at uh, producing it and getting getting into the cons- consistency and rhythm is really important to me, at least. You know? uh, it's incredibly and, important. Yep. And because the thing is, I've seen so many, so many things out there that so many programs that were really good. But but the host kind of gave up, you know, and then you, you don't have any more episodes of that thing. And you were going like, hey, I want I want more from from you. How come you're not producing it? You know, um, I, and I believe that the phase two is, you know, Gary Vee created that Gary Vee content model. For me, it would be applying that Gary Vee content model to all of this backlog that I've created with all the episodes by then when I hit phase two. But I'm not right now. I mean, I'm kind of pacing myself and. Uh, until I get to that point, hopefully. 
Well, you need to pace yourself. And I think a big thing is people do look at someone like a Gary, which is at the highest level of personal brand possible. And they think that they need to be everywhere all the time when that's not what you need in order to drive business. You you just need like to do one thing well and consistently. And so just to talk about the three elements of basically my framework for what goes into a personal brand, it's clarity, which is understanding exactly who you are, who your ideal audience is, the value you offer them, and we can dig into those. But making sure that also on the flip side that your audience actually understands and is communicated to the same way. So clarity is where your understanding of your brand meet and your audience's understanding of your brand meet. And then like you said, consistent content, being consistent with content. And that doesn't mean every single day, all of the time. That's like you're saying, when I started my podcast, 132 episodes, my promise to myself was, I'm going to do this. And I started out with this. I'm going to do this for at least minimum of three years every week. I am just going to keep showing up. I'm not going to look at the numbers. I don't, it's not about that at all. It's just about producing good content that I'm proud of and getting better and showing up. And then that consistency breeds trust And then the third piece is community and that's Mm -hmm. making sure you're engaging with your audience. And that's really where the growth happens because a personal brand ultimately is never actually about you. It starts with you, but it is always about the audience. It is always about them. And and it's also the mission of the content um, that you're producing too, right? Uh, Does, are you bringing so much value to your audience that they understand what the mission that you're after then they, they then they sign up for that mission, you know, and they become loyalists. So a lot of people get really hung up. And I just want to say this, if you're not exactly sure what your mission is, your mission is always going to change. Some people are very, very clear at the outset about what they want to be talking about, what their business is, all of these things. Personal branding is very personal. It's kind of hard to see yourself clearly. And the trick to that really is focusing on like you said, the people that you're serving. So you're kind of going to always be evaluating what that mission is. But once people are bought in on you, they're bought in because people don't have, this is one of the big mistakes that I'm sure we'll get to later anyway, but people don't have time. They don't have attention spans. They need to know immediately, what what do you do for me? Why do I care? And so that needs to be obvious up front in order for people to grow with you and want to care about these other elements. So Brittany, how do you feel about taking a, an audience question? Sure. All right. Let's, let's show it. Let me I show can't you see this. these questions. So yeah, here we go on the screen. Do you see it? Hi, uh, so let me, let me read it for you. Uh, hi, Brittany. What are your thoughts on content volume? And what, do you think overexposure can be as bad as underexposure? Is there a sweet spot? Thanks. And that's from Sasha. So that is a great question. And at the end of the day, everything does come down to the audience and the platform on that audience. Let me just give an example. Like, I'm going to stick with the Gary example. Depending on which platform you're on, some of that might feel like an overwhelming amount of content. But some of the people who are in his ideal audience might never feel like it's enough. On a platform like a Twitter, you can, you know, tweet five times a day and maybe one per like one of those tweets will actually show up for those folks. So you can have a higher volume of output. But I noticed on like a LinkedIn, which I know we'll talk about, I've had people even say, because you can post, you know, three to, I recommend like three times a week because of what we'll talk about later, just because of how friendly the algorithm is. And there's such like low competition on the platform. But I've even had people who have been posting consistently three times a week saying that they feel like it's almost too much because the algorithm is so friendly. They keep getting their content put into people's feeds and they don't want to kind of over push their their piece. But at the end of the day, if people aren't engaging with it or don't want to be receiving it, they can do the algorithm will adjust for that, too. So I would just be putting out put out what you can consistently. Like if that's one piece a day and focusing on one platform or two platforms, great. So it's going to be audience dependent and how much content you have and what you actually do for your business. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you're right about that. Like there are certain platforms. If you, if you post too much, it's, it is too much on the platform, the way consumers consume 
the content on that platform specifically. On in case mm -hmm. of Twitter, literally, if you missed it and it's it's been like a couple of minutes, it's already gone. You know, so yeah. uh, you know, versus some something like LinkedIn, uh, your content could be there for a while. You know, and and the expectation is that not necessarily everybody is tuning into LinkedIn like 24 seven or checking their feeds on LinkedIn five times a day, you know? Yeah. And YouTube and Pinterest and all these different platforms have different, have different algorithms. I'd say, yeah, I guess we could even talk about which platform specifically, but for the most part, posting at least once a day on whatever platform is, is fine. I think for a long form YouTube, maybe once one major video upload a week, depending. So I have an, another question here. Let me let me put it up. Um, so Mark says uh, I post a few times uh, a week. Only email about quarterly. Should I increase to monthly? Ooh, why are you only emailing quarterly? You should. Be, <laughs> I feel like you should be emailing every week. You know, I actually found an interesting insight for my email list recently. My podcast is my pillar piece of content, and there are some people who only read the blog posts and I know that's why you kind of do do blog posts and you post on Instagram and you post on these in these other places because not everyone consumes the same. And I was surprised to find out that a lot of people just really like reading the emails. Like mm -hmm. they might not even listen to the episode, but they really enjoy whatever content or whatever I have to say in the email. And I, I just love email because we've seen this with different platforms. Whatever's going on with TikTok is happening now. Having ownership of your own website, grabbing your own name, having your own email list. So that way, at least you own the contacts. So you're not dependent on any one particular platform. I would nurture the hell out of that email list. Make it weekly, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least bi-weekly if that's all you can kind of muster. But make it something that people, again, going back to that consistency, people know to expect it. So that way they get excited about it and you nurture those, that relationship. Yeah, actually, Mark just responded back. He was like, I, I love that answer. I'm not sure why I don't do it more frequently. I, I should increase my volume. <laughs> well, now now it's public, so now you got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he spread it into the universe now. So, you know, he has to own it now. Uh, I actually know Mark. He, he makes great uh, hot sauce, uh, small business Ooh. owner, small oh, brand, cool. really pretty cool. Um, so... Let's uh, let's let's talk about let's go through the steps, right? Uh, let's say, you know, I have my content, or let, let's let's say I know I have my expertise. Let's let's start with that, not content even. I have my expertise, whatever that expertise is. I'm a chiropractor. Uh, I could be a plumber. I could be a, a you know a wrestler. It doesn't matter. I mean, we we had a wrestler last week, uh, Nick Aldis, on the show, uh, and he talked about how he manages his personal brand to actually. Uh, grow grow his personal brand outside of the ring, you know, not necessarily just the wrestling ring, you know. Cool. Uh, so if you if you think about that, like if I know if I have my expertise, which everyone has some sort of expertise, you know, if if I have my expertise, where do I get started? What, what is my literally my step zero? You know, it is always the baseline. You are oh, we are always starting with where we are this second right now. I do have a freebie. I think the link will be in the. Uh, will be in the show notes, but it's a brand audit. So it's brittanycrystal.com slash brand audit. And that is basically taking inventory. I make you go through all of your social platforms where you're, Google, you know, I Google yourself and check out all of the different places that you are now and just kind of get a baseline to assess your messaging because people kind of get all obsessed with all of these different things. You just kind of need that objective measure. And then we start with the clarity. There is no way to get around clarity and people want to avoid it. They like want to skip over asking those basic questions, but being clear is the most essential pillar to everything. That's where your content strategy comes from. That's where your marketing comes from. That's where if you're going to outsource, it comes from. That's where if you do paid media copywriting. So it just needs to be very clear. And I have two pieces to this, and I was talking about it earlier. I'll call it internal versus external clarity. Like you, Sabir, or you, client, whoever you are, you need to know very clearly and basically be able to get it down to a sentence. What you do, who you very specifically do it for, why you do it, why those people care, what differentiates you personally, and what differentiates your offer and your service. Those are things that you need to know for yourself. 
And those are actually, it is so foundational and so basic, but even boiling that down to one or two sentences is so hard for most people. But that's where the real work starts. And then the next part is actually talking to those ideal people. People want to post content online and then have a bunch of followers. You do not get to avoid talking to your customer or your consumer. If you own a business, you wouldn't just create something and put it out there and not talk to anyone about it or get any kind of feedback. I make people talk to at least 10 people. You have to be talking to people because the second piece of that, it's great if you like get who you are. If the people you want to get the value and understand the value, you're not communicating that properly, you're not communicating that properly. You're not going to get the results you want. So maybe it's using different words, different phrases, just having those conversations to make sure that your people actually get the value. Because one of the biggest things I see, 100%, oh, I see it so often. I see it every day. It'll be somebody who's posting content. They're doing all these things. And the reason that they're not getting results isn't some kind of magic growth hack. It's because I go to their bio or their profile and it's all about like, I don't know, they're a Scorpio, traveler, vegan, whatever <laughs> it might be. And it's like, what do you do for me? Why yeah. do I care? It's not about you. Yeah, this and is so, LinkedIn, not Tinder. LinkedIn, but it, it's <laughs> the same thing as the dating profile. Like that is a perfect example because that's true on Instagram. It's true on every platform. You need to court me. I don't care about you. I'm here. And if you didn't interest me, like swipe left or right or whatever it is, like I need to know. I think it's like within eight seconds. It's probably fewer than eight seconds. People are like, no. Nope. And then they move on. And you're like, no, but I have all this great stuff to say. And it's like, that's great. But like, you need to lead with that. It's leading with the value and then worrying about like all the other things. Well, by the way, Brittany, the statistics on that is uh, it's one and a half seconds. It's one and a half seconds? One and a half. One if you point Google five. it, I see the eight seconds. I, don't, I was reading people's bios. Eight, I, was, I time myself. I'm like, I'm max four seconds for sure. Like I'm like, no, no, because no, your eye falls on uh, first on the photo right you, you mm -hmm. see the photo if you if you find it interesting then you're reading in the caption and the first couple of words like maybe three to four, four five words are the most important right so if you also depends on the platform too yeah. like for me on instagram what i'm looking at immediately versus what i'm looking at on linkedin which is why certain aspects are so important but at the end of the day mm -hmm. you still need that line whatever that is to make sure that that resonates but that starts with you and then you need to make sure that your audience gets it so I have a question from the audience uh, for the step zero that we were talking about, right? So if you don't have, if I don't have enough connections in your niche, uh, should building connections be a priority or, or is it the content uh, from load of pinks designs? Just the, the question. So if you don't have enough connections, you can create those at the end of the day, like business, marketing, sales, branding, it comes down to communication and relationships. And most of the time when people are complaining about the lack of engagement that they have on content, that's because they're not engaging enough. Like it's more important, especially on, we'll talk about LinkedIn, but on a LinkedIn engagement counts as content. So even leaving smart comments on people's posts. And I think that this is actually the case on Instagram will bring people to consume the rest of your content. Because even if you post whatever you post and it's great and you use hashtags, that's only part of it. Like mm -hmm. if people aren't going to find you through whatever hashtag or the algorithm, you need to make them care about you. And that's also by offering value, not by sending some kind of automated DM. So I would spend the time doing both. And so yeah, it's like if you do post, then you should be engaging for 20 minutes at least on before you're even posting or after because people get curious and then they go down the rabbit hole of your content. Well, one of the actually top hacks on medium.com, which is a publishing platform where people publish articles and stuff, yep. the number one hack people recommend, and, and it actually works, is you you should be publishing your content but you should always go do your clapping you know that, that's that's the form of liking on 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 uh, on mm -hmm. medium.com and actually uh, putting up very detailed uh comments on the article you just read very detailed i've had posts on medium myself uh my article was let's let's call it 700 words or 500 words something like that i have had people put in comments that were like 10 paragraphs <laughs> and that was a comment 
that was a comment. Wow. It was a legitimate comment and legitimate feedback on the stuff that I had posted. And they were asking and arguing about certain finer points to kind of engage me, you know. And and that's one of the hacks actually actually on the platforms, whether it's uh, you know, because you could you could engage at that level on Instagram, you could do it on LinkedIn, and you could do it on on Medium. And and I'll, there are other platforms too that allow you to syndicate content. Also, not just push it out and just ignore the world and think that you know people should be flocking to you. You know. Yeah, you definitely need to be putting it out there. Twitter's been great. Like any platform that you can think of, smart strategic comments, engaging with people that you want in your audience that you want to build relationships with is never a waste of time. You will yeah. never be wasting time by actually creating human connection. People have this thing where they think that the online space is some kind of separate place where you don't act like a normal person, like you would just if you met someone face to face. It's the same dynamic, like sending the DM, it's the same thing. You, you want to be treated the way you want other people to treat you. It's exactly the same. Cool. So. Actually, we talked about a few platforms, right? I mean, I threw out names of certain platforms that people may not have even heard of, you know, like Medium, right? Mm -hmm. and, and But you have your kind of your table stakes, right? You have your YouTube and uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Facebook groups and communities, all of that. There's Facebook Reel. I mean, the Instagram Reels that just came out also. You have Snapchat. I, I don't know if these... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if we still have TikTok, you know, but... I hope we do, you know. <laughs> uh, so do I need to be on every platform? No. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. If you would like to be on every platform and you have the ability to scale yourself so that you can be on every platform and actually be native to each of those platforms, like let's say at the level of a Gary, wonderful. That's fantastic. But if not, you pick the platform where you can create basically that path of least resistance, like you were saying before, if you like writing and you write a blog post for your blog, you can be on Medium, you can be on Quora, you can be reposting that content in different places. You can post it on LinkedIn and you can be on three different platforms at once, a link to Twitter. You can be repurposing that way. But as far as when people are stressed about, oh my gosh, being everywhere, I tell them to pick one platform that place their strength where they know their audience lives. Because that's the thing is if you're kind of an older demographic, let's say you're going after baby boomers, TikTok might not be where you want to spend your time. You probably want to be on Facebook. So you need to take that into account when choosing it. But I would get, especially if you're not comfortable yet creating content, get comfortable with one platform creating content. And then from there, you can start distributing in different places. I think people make it, they look at, again, the highest level and they get psyched out. Don't do that. Do one thing. And create from there. Yeah, I, I think people do uh, spread themselves too too th thin. You know, go, going and doing too many things. Yeah. I mean, there's merits to it. I mean, you can you can argue that hey, you know, uh, I'm running experiments. I'm running tests. If it's intentional, it makes sense. But if it's not intentional, right? You don't know if why you're doing it, right? Then it's better to stick with uh, just a few few things, but do go really deep with, with within those two or three things. So people also love to be able to engage back. And this goes back to that kind of the posting the content and walking away from it. I would pick the platforms where you actually know that people are at so you can be engaging with them. Because if you're posting on these other platforms where people are leaving comments, you're not building those relationships. You're, it's there and it's being distributed, but it's probably not doing the work that you want it to do. You know, I'd rather you be in a place where you're like let's say your Instagram and LinkedIn, where you know you're checking those DMs, you know you're engaging, you know you can dedicate that time, and you focus there. So, am I writing now a, a few articles? Let's say let's call it articles or posts. A few articles per week, small article, you know, like posts, or am I writing one major article per week? What's your thought on that? Is it is it few small posts or one gigantic uh, article? So I tend to like long form content in order to break it down because then you can pull a quote. You know, if you have a 3000 word article, I'm sure you can chunk it down. And depending on how you write articles too, if your article is on like the top 10 tips for personal branding, each of those 10 tips 
then becomes 10 different separate pieces of content that you can post separately from the blog post, which I like, but some people aren't there yet. And I'm always, I understand how busy people are and they don't necessarily have the full scale team. If it's easier for you to sit down and like I said, like, let's say crank out five 30 second tips and then spread those out. Great. But I do like the longer form something, even if it was like five tips, it's five tips broken down into one tip each. I think having something like that makes things a little more manageable. If you think about it in terms of either weeks or yeah, just anything like that, that's numerated. I think that's kind of an easier place place to start. And we can talk about where you, to get content ideas, because again, I think that psychs people out because maybe you do want to do a blog post, but maybe because you are so busy, you just transcribe it. You just mm. kind of blurt it out via audio. I know Google Docs has an audio feature that helps you transcribe too. There's so many ways to just get the content out of you and then make it clean and pretty later. So those five tips that you did on LinkedIn video that are separate videos, that could be a blog post and probably should be a blog post. Actually, there is a, uh, on my phone, I have an app. It's, a, it's really good. Uh, it's similar to uh, Google Docs when it, when it allows you to transcribe. You could also mm -hmm. uh, see if you can download it. I have no association with the app. I'm going to just recommend it. It's a, it's a good app that I personally use. It's called Auto, O-T-T-O. -T -T it's available on, on all the platforms, I believe, especially on iPhone. So if you download it, the, the way I used to use it uh, would be for um, when I'm attending a meeting and I don't want to take notes. Um, anyone who knows me in my in my professional or personal life, I don't use paper and pen. You know, I just don't use it because it just creates a whole to do of dealing with paper and folders and file folders and you know desks and stuff. I, I don't I don't believe in any of those things, so I don't use it at all. Uh, but auto, what it allows me to do is whenever I attended meeting, I would just turn it on. It would record it. What it would do is it would give me the MP3 as well as exactly the words that were spoken. So if, if there's a technical word that's not correct, you can always go back and correct it. But then now you just have a transcription. I mean, to your point, uh, in, in that example of top 10 uh, uh, personal branding hacks you should know in 2020, if you know your content, you could literally hold your phone next to your mouth and turn on auto or Google Docs and literally speak to it and go like this, 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 and this, and then boom, the article's already written. Maybe and, that might have taken 10 minutes, maybe, you know. And I just want to say this for people who are really so there's some people once you kind of get into the content flow, you can kind of think in terms of sound bites or come up with that like great tweet or those one liners. But if you're just getting started and you're trying to use your personal brand to grow your business, like literally, if you have three thoughts a week about whatever it is you do for a living, you can create content on basically any platform related to your business. So even if it's just re you read an article and you have you take a second and you think about what did you just take away from this? What's your own personal insight? And you put that insight along with the link to share the article. That is content. Like I'm just thinking about like the lowest possible hanging fruit. It doesn't need to be this giant I mean, for us, we're used to this space and talking about content in this way. But for people who really aren't, it's like, I know you're reading about, you're in the work. Like you have these stories around why you're doing all the things that you're doing. You just need to get practice putting it out there. And if that means just including one or two lines with an article that you just read, that's what you do. I mean, it's not necessary, by the way, Brittany, right? To, for me, maybe my profession and my passion, you, you want those two things to like overlap right in most cases in the best it case. doesn't <laughs> best case it does most cases it doesn't right uh so if your profession is your profession but you have your passion on this side uh you, you love being a chiropractor professionally but in, in your off time you know everything about golfing you know you go out golfing you know about the golf balls you know about everything related to golf by the way i have zero clues about about golf um but when you're building that personal brand, maybe it's not about the profession. Maybe you can create. There are plenty of influencers that, that produce content that has to do more with their passion than, like, you're an example of that. Your professor, profession may have been uh, le uh, law and legal. Let's say if you had stuck with that. Mm -hmm. However, your side passion would be to do, to, to do what you're doing, building up uh, personal brands and stuff like that, you know? 
So there are a ton of different ways to go about it. So the question for the person who really likes golf, who's a chiropractor, do you want golf to be what you're known for? Like, is golf going to be the thing that you want people to know you for and that you might want to monetize? Or is that just a hobby that you're interested in other people knowing about you? And it's, it's why someone might also go go see you as a chiropractor because they're also interested in golf. So I think it's, are you using your personal brand to grow your specific business or to grow a separate business? And I think those are things that that's part of the, what you need to decide. And there's no reason that you can't later decide to do something else. But I think what happens with the personal brand, humans are multifaceted. You are going to evolve. You are not just one thing. So people get all hung up on the niching down kind of aspect, but you don't need to share every element of your life and not everyone needs to know about every interest or everything that you love all the time. Again, building that audience is about them. So if you love golf and you want to build a separate site and a separate brand related to golf, and that's where people know, and it's where people go for golf tips, that's its own thing. And so it's, it's just making those decisions for yourself, or are you trying to grow the chiropractic business? And as you're doing that, people also know that you go get adjustments too, because you've been golfing and it really helps improve your performance. And then people are like, Oh, you know what? Like that could help me with my golf stuff. Can you give me more insight? Where do you golf? That's how you get people invested. But it's not just like, Oh, well, I do chiropractic and I love golf and I travel with my dog and then this and that and this and that. That's where you lose people. Yeah. What do you do in, in, uh, in a scenario where you're, you're kind of your, as far as your end consumer goes, you're so removed from, from the value chain, right? You're, um, you're a microbiologist, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know how many consumers would know about, I don't know why that, why, why that profession came to my mind. Oddly enough, I, I remember there's a character on Big Bang Theory. She is a microbiologist, you know, for whatever reason, just entered my mind. Like, let's say if you are that person, right, and, and you are uh, trying to build your your uh, personal brand, what, what do you go from there? It's not like an end consumer would understand. Like a chiropractor, I get it because I have a back pain. I'm going to go to a chiropractor. But if you're a microbiologist, what? how, how do I produce my content? And, and and that's I know that's an extreme example that I'm using of microbiologists. We have some guests uh, that are attending right now um, that are removed. Their business and their and also their their personal brand is very much removed from the value chain of, of consumers. They're all the way they are there. They're like number seven in that value chain. So my whole thing is what would be the goal and what would you want people to know about you when they find you? Are you interested in speaking on stages about microbiology? It's not about selling somebody your microbiology service, but maybe either getting hired for something or maybe the government's looking for you right now to be speaking at something and they need the person who understands this specific thing the most. Or what about other people who are interested in microbiology and maybe you want to be teaching them or instructing them, depending on... It is all about what you want. And maybe you start maybe you start teaching other people or talking about it. And you're like, you know what? I don't like this. I'd rather be speaking on stage. You can always adjust, but it starts with just that baseline of, again, where, like, who are you? And what, like, when people Google you, what do you want them to see? Just in general, knowing that. And then really thinking about what do you actually want? Who is that? Like, audience, people think audience very specifically, like it has to be a consumer it's always a content consumer, whether that's somebody who is looking for speakers or whether that's somebody who's mm. looking up to you and wants to be like you, whether that's a student, whether that's a future employer, it really doesn't matter. But you, there is a whole range of people who could potentially be looking for you. I think that now I'm going to blame something, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, uh, one of the things I'll blame is the the ritual of doing resumes right when you do resumes resumes kind of sends that message that it's almost like assembly line line right you have to go work somewhere then you can put the company name start date end date let's say if you're no longer employed there and then you need those five bullet points of what did you do in that job right mm -hmm. when, when you talk about a kind of personal branding in 2020 right the year we're in right now the year of the COVID, you know? Uh, so it's, uh, uh, given that, 
like if you're still stuck, regardless of what you do or your what your passion is, if you're still stuck in that sort of a very much mindset of like assembly line mindset that, oh, the thing I'm doing, it needs to go on my resume. This is one of the actual wrong reasons people think that uh, LinkedIn is a resume database. You know, it's it's a lot more than that. You know, the platform is a lot bigger than that, and and it it provides a lot more services. But like, do you did you check out my article on LinkedIn? Oh no, I, I'm not looking for a job, so why would I go there? You know, uh, is yeah. is it very typical response to kind of a LinkedIn? It has changed over time, but I think still it, the evolution is going there. So, I, I think the if you abolish like resumes in 2020, your resume becomes. Uh, like this dynamic thing that if, whether regardless of what platform I'm using, Instagram search or, you know, Google or whatever, that I find you and your resumes is the publications you have done, the publishing you did, content, audio, video, articles, tweets, whatever. That's your resume. That's who you are in, at least from a digital standpoint, that's, that's kind of your 360 degrees of your like profile of who you are, not bullet points. You said so many things there I want to address, but I'll start with the resume piece. We live in the best time. Like even when I left law, when I graduated law school 10 years ago, you needed the resume and you needed to know someone and you needed people to vouch for you in order to do all of these things and get your foot in the door. You can do whatever the hell you want at this point. Like you can create that proof for yourself. I meet so many people who are just like, okay, well, I want to start doing this. I love doing this. How do I make this a business? Let's say the golf thing. Okay, let's start posting golf content. Let's start getting like building up your credibility there. As soon as you start getting people to vouch for you and build up that credibility and that social proof, it this is the insurance policy if you do happen to work inside of an organization. There are so many people where before it's like, let's say you worked at a job, you did great work. The only person who knew that you did great work was your manager and they hate you. They do not like you. They are not giving you a recommendation. You're, you're going to take their job. Exactly. <laughs> now, let's say they hate you, but you have all of this proof and you, you go apply. Even if somebody was to call them, that employer or that person or that potential client, whatever it might be, can look and get if they like you from that. Get if, they're, get if you're credible. Get if they understand you or if you'd understand them. They can bypass that. It's just another piece that you can add to just social proof and proof in general. You can create your own credibility and trust. And it just happens so much faster before you had to get a job or show like I took these marketing classes. Now it's like, can you get results or not? And here's the different results. Here's how I work. It just cuts all of that. Like it's not even I'd say by half, but even more than that. So it is like a resume. But yeah, your content is a resume. You know, I, I think that what you said, the earlier part of this, um, you know, interview, you said uh, it gives you control, right? I, I think if you think about 1960s, 1950s, not even 1990s, right? When you had the resume in that example of, of the manager, you were not in control. Even after you leave that job, that manager is still in control of your career because you have to put a reference up, Right. When you go to the next job and then that that person could say, hey, could you can I talk to your manager from or supervisor uh, or can you give me a reference? They're still in control. If you build your brand up, I think you you build your foundation where there is no need for that control at all. You don't really care, you know, in, from that perspective. Hopefully I'm, I'm not asking you to be rude to people or anything like that. It's just that from from your own perspective, you have built a platform you as a brand, you have built a, a platform for yourself so that you're not really dependent on somebody else. Because there are plenty of votes on Instagram that says 10,000 people liked your post about this specific thing you talked talked about as from microbiology, right? And and so many people, you had 3,000 engagements and in, in, in co comments. That's kind of your social proof to your point. But it also, in a bigger picture, gives you control. It gives you a lot more control for your brand um, one of the things I, I know that I, I'm, I'm jumping around, I, I, even though I don't drink coffee, you know, so I think one of the topics, uh, it just uh, came to my mind. Um, we were talking about 
um, during one of these interviews, we were talking about how important is it uh, for, I actually was Matt Higgins' uh, interview. Uh, he, he appeared on the show uh, early on. Uh, and it, and we talked about how is important is it for a founder to have a personal brand to support their startup or or their existing business, you know. And and we talked about that, right? That that has become kind of table stakes now. It's no longer a nice to have. You just have it's to do it. It's not optional. <laughs> it's not optional anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people discount. People care about the people behind the business. They really do. And I think if you created a business and you started a business, you know how hard and how much passion you put into it, how hard you work, why wouldn't you want to stand by it and kind of let people know why you care so much about it? And I think depending, I mean, again, using different examples like a VaynerMedia and a Gary, when you have those two separate entities, you can use one to build the other. Always. You can go back and forth and back and forth and help. It's, again, an insurance policy. It's about having control. And if one thing gets cut off for whatever reason, you have this other credibility sitting there. And it kind of just, once you build credibility, you can move it to where you want it to be. It is like having equity in something. It's brand equity. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, um, uh, do you think that it's the, um, the emotional connection you're making to the audience or you're appearing as a subject matter expert being the founder of that company if you're Both. producing content? Both. I think people want, and so just why I like LinkedIn so much and why I usually recommend people do the personal brand part as opposed to investing more time in the company page, people want to connect with people. When you're calling customer service or whatever it might be, you want a human. There is that emotional connection, that know, like, and trust factor is super important. And I think people, why I love personal brands is because, yes, there are these great global brands that have, you know, human characteristics and you know what you think of when you think of an Apple or a Google. But people, to me, there's just no replacing that relationship. We are, we're humans. We'd always rather connect with other humans. Like, that's just it for me at the end of the day. And they're more interesting to me. So I will always want to talk to a human more than care about a larger brand. I mean, with with the kind of the entrepreneurs and founders and quite a few people that you have worked with, uh, work helping them with their personal brand. What lessons can can you share about like um, biggest mistakes? Right, you know, the positive things are positive. You know. What, what are things that are like big failures and big mistakes? Because that's where, where you learn the most. Well, in that framework with the clarity, consistent content community, as far as mistakes go, mistakes almost always, when people are unhappy with their growth or when unhappy with any aspect of what's happening, the mistake is usually like within any of those places. Like, oh, you're not seeing growth. Well, I go to your profile and it's completely not clear what you do or who you serve <laughs> or what the value is. Or, oh, you posted something and then you haven't engaged with anybody or you have no clue who your ideal audience is. There's all sorts of different mistakes that I see from, you know, guessing what your audience wants. I mean, why guess when you can actually ask them and talk to them? Uh, paying only attention to vanity metrics and not really honing in on not appreciating the audience that you have. I think that's a major mistake. And again, depending on what level people are at, because People who are getting started, a lot of mistakes I see are waiting to get started at all, waiting until you feel clear. You're not going to feel clear until you actually take action. Clarity comes from action. So if you're sitting there waiting till you feel like, oh, I know exactly what my value proposition is, it actually comes from talking to people and putting it out there. Trying to be great on every platform is a common mistake. Wanting to be everywhere, like even Reels just came out. It's like most people, unless you own and work at an agency or at a giant brand who is probably investing a ton of money right now to have some giant activation on reels, you don't need to be the first, like you don't need to know every detail of reels if you're not even consistent posting a photo on Instagram. People just get that shiny object syndrome. 99% of people do not need to panic about it and people get all obsessed with it and they're like, oh, this or that. It's like, you just need to focus. You need to focus on your audience and focus on the content and making sure that it's valuable for that audience. And so, yeah, making it, I think one of the biggest mistakes is making it about you and not the audience. And I think that's just like, just going to keep coming back to that. But that 
is where the core of all the mistakes go because you're serving content that isn't clear to your audience. You're not being clear in general with your audience. You're not engaging with your audience. Yeah, I think it's also they're consuming. Uh, you know, it's always been my thought that, um, you know, in, in when you go to college, right, uh, the college doesn't ever, ever allow you to take a 701 level course, right? You have to first take 101, you know, but when it comes to like Instagram or any of these kind of platforms, they read an article or they watch a YouTube video, somebody who is talking about reels, right? It's amazing. Is it better than TikTok? Whatever. They're consuming that. And when they have a conversation with, with the likes of you or me, right, they go like, no, I think I, I want to do reels. because." But have you done anything with Instagram posting? I don't see any followers. I don't see any posts on there. No, no, I want to get started with reels. Like, you, you've not done 101 yet. You, you're not riding the bike yet. And you're, you want to run, uh, you know, a, a marathon or whatever. It just, just doesn't make sense, you know? That's the biggest mistake. It's this fear of being irrelevant. And so they're chasing all of these things when really they, it is always going to come back to the basics and the foundations and the fundamentals. And for anybody who maybe is doing their own personal branding and is then going to hire somebody to help them build it out or repurpose content, they are going to ask you, I promise, who is your ideal audience? What do you do? All of those basic questions you are going to need to be able to answer or you're not going to be able to hire the copywriter or write a sales page or monetize appropriately or attract the right people who are interested in buying your stuff. Like literally, it is the foundational stuff that is that is the key. That's the key to monetization. That's the, that is the secret to brand. Cool. Um, so what is your approach to building community strategically? And, you know, authenticity I, plays a huge role in my life, you know, so that those are two very important things. It has to be strategic and you have to be authentic. Um, so how do you go about building this community based on everything that we discussed so far? Based on everything we discussed so far, depending on your business and your goals, I only deal with people at this point that I like to deal with. It is actually, again, going back to clarity. It is talking to people. It's going, seeing who's engaging with competitors, seeing what their profiles look like, engaging with their content. Do you like having these conversations with people? Doing hashtag research. It's talking to friends of, if you're like, oh, talking to previous clients or customers that you like, and if there's people like them, just having conversations, not trying to sell anybody anything, just strictly talking to them about what they do, what their pain points are, not necessarily asking them in those terms, but basically finding out their pain points, their hopes, their dreams, and who you... So many people want to build a business because they're kind of chasing the money and not so much focused on who they enjoy serving. Part of being clear is figuring out who you actually enjoy spending time with and who you enjoy serving because, like I said, that's that's the whole thing. So if you're going to be completely invested in your audience and making these connections, you need to love talking to them and love creating for them. And all the monetization aspects come from talking to people and then offering them what they want and what they need and knowing them. And so it is about creating these deep communications and you need to know where those people are hanging out online and talking to them. So it really is just about being human at the end of the day. Very cool. So, um, since we have quite a few uh, audience members that are like entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, and uh, what is Brittany's number one hundred thousand dollar expert advice on on driving revenue uh, with your personal brand? Well, besides the basics, one of the best lessons that I've learned over the years, very much kind of the hard way, but I've I have this is it. When I lean into myself, and I've seen this across the board with every client, when clients are, authenticity might be a played out thing to say, but when clients are being themselves, that is when the success comes. Nobody wants a second rate version of somebody that's out there already existing. The more you can be yourself online and get comfortable being yourself in your business, the more you're going to attract the right people, the more money you're going to make, the more you're going to be able to create whatever you want for yourself. The more you are yourself, the more success you'll have. I promise. That is get comfortable being yourself and you will make what you want happen. 
So in, in the final uh, few minutes here, um, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Brittany's website there, brittanycrystal.com. Uh, I think you have two or three different courses, um, uh, you know, if people want to learn and mm -hmm. uh, sign up. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, so I have, well, you took the LinkedIn laws, so I have, I think LinkedIn. I'm a student, by the way, I can attest, it's a very good course. Thank you. You are, you are a great student, and LinkedIn, we didn't talk about too much, but it's just, it's a great supplement for entrepreneurs, especially if they're spending time. A lot of people are spending time on Instagram or another platform as their primary. It is the easiest, most efficient place to start building your personal brand. So if you want to check that out on my website, I have like free trainings and podcasts on it. Um, I also have the clarity course, which is step one. Just we've talked about that, getting clear on your personal brand, where you're at, where you, how you want to be positioning yourself. Because clarity is one of those things that, and I try not to go too deep into this unless you're more advanced. You have like the overall umbrella of the personal brand. And then each platform individually has its own clarity work and content work and things that you need to do for it. And it plays into a cohesive thing. So let's say you do the clarity course. The clarity that you'd have on LinkedIn and the goals you'd have there are different than just your overall brand. And then I have the Beyond Influential Insiders. So if you check out my podcast and you like all of the topics, like the things that we talked about today, I have experts like Sabir come in and live podcasts and all sorts of fun things going on in there where we talk about all of these things every month and how to basically grow your business online and create real world results. Sounds good. Uh, Brittany, thank you for being part of the show and, and uh, sharing your insights. Uh, there, they were really valuable, um, and uh, yeah, thank you for being here. And thank you for having me. And anybody, yeah, reach out, find me on Instagram, go to my website. I definitely respond. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, she does respond definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, and ca catch you next time on on the next episode of um, uh, this week with Severe. Have a good day. <laughs>